0: Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast
1: where we dissect who framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time with special guest Alex Robinson.
0: That's right. We are back with minute 40 now onto a brand new number of the podcast. I am, as always, Chris Blair, and I am here... Also, as always, with Annie McMullen. Hello! And we've got someone who's a little bit familiar with the Movies by Minutes format. I am talking about, of course, Alex Robinson. Hello there. Hey, thank you for being on today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I love Roger Rabbit. Can't wait to talk about him.
0: Yeah, so if uh, anyone's been living under the movie by Minutes Rock, Alex Robinson is the inventor (laughs) of the format, uh, does the Star Wars Minutes, and uh, currently still doing the Star Wars Minute. There is a lot of movies. How does it feel to, to have essentially inspired so many other podcasts?
1: Well, I guess I should point out that I am, you know, my uh co-host pete the retailer also was in, involved in the creation of it so i don't want you know i'm sure he's gonna be mm. listening to this and uh, and so yeah uh it's great uh the, the we've done some uh, movies by minutes um like events you know in uh chicago and denver and uh portland and it's always great when you we go and we you get to see all these people who are doing this silly thing that would like that we kind of if it wasn't for us they wouldn't be doing it not in a like oh, we're so great kind of way, but just like the effect, the unintended consequences of doing something. And then suddenly next thing you know, people are like, oh, that's a fun thing. I should try that too. And, and uh, so it's really cool. And it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's cool and kind of humbling in a way. And I can't believe there are over 200 or something now. It's nuts. It's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, minutes.
0: Yeah. And you listen to all of them?
1: Yes. Well, I have to approve each one before it goes on air. So, I, you know, to make sure quality standards and all. But uh, so far, not a, not a clunker in the bunch. So, good job, everybody. Yeah.
0: Alex is actually here this week as product control, making sure we're, we're keeping on the up and up with everything.
1: Part of the tour, I go around to all the studios, the recording studios, and check out you know, everyone's facilities. You guys got it nice in here. I like the kind of cartoon theme you have going. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And uh, I think Goofy was really kind to you when, uh, when you two met.
1: <laughs> yeah. Never told me whether what why he's a dog or or what the deal is with him. So, I didn't yeah. ask. Yeah, he's a real
0: mystery. but Don't want to don't want to pry too much into his personal business. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of not my place. Uh Alex, what is your relationship with the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh it came out in
1: 1988, I believe, and uh yep. that year I was a freshman in college and uh I am a, a cartoonist in real life. I, I draw comic books, not not animation, or I used to draw comic books. I haven't drawn any in a long time, but I still draw. And uh, so I have a, you know, deep fondness for animation, grew up watching all the classic cartoons and stuff. And um, so uh, I was really excited to see the movie. And I remember going, I saw it a couple of times in the theater and I remember I went to go see it. It was so sad because like, you know, I hear I am a freshman in college and everyone's hanging out get to meet all their new friends and stuff and i go to the movies by myself to watch who framed roger rabbit <laughs> <laughs> and, and for like the third time or so. this wasn't like oh i had to see it it's the first time oh, i got you know i gotta go no one else wants to see it I got, you know, this was just like well i guess i'll go see it by myself so there you go that should sum up my relationship with, <laughs> with roger rabbit pretty well did you did was it just one time that you saw it by yourself or all three times that you saw it no, I think only the last time was by myself. I'm not okay. Quite, yeah, I'm. I'm only one out of three on the sadness scale. I got to see the other two with. Technically, saw them with other people. So, uh,
0: okay. There you go. All right. So it's it's looking up from there. It's sure. it's a little like Bob Hoskins' experience because you know we see Roger in the movie, but really he's by himself acting the entire time.
1: Oh, wow. Is that it? Oh, you mean, oh, I thought you were like, is, I thought this was like a fan theory that that, that Roger <laughs> oh. didn't exist and this was all in Eddie's, imagine, you know, his, his alcohol addled imagination.
0: <laughs> I think I want to run with this theory now. Yeah. I like this one a lot. We
2: do sort of keep a running list of like um, either alternate spinoffs we'd like to see or fan sure. theories. And I think that deserves a deserves a space, even if it was accidental. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Eddie's brother, you know, had some tragic embarrassing accident and Eddie's just covering it up. Oh yeah, to have he killed my brother.
1: You can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we are here with minute 40 of the movie. Minute forty begins with Roger saying, So I ran to Eddie, and it ends with Eddie looking in the closet for Roger, but no Roger there. We we get a little bit of his perspective of how Toons feel about Eddie. He seems like he's a very respected detective amongst Toons.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, he says um, he doesn't. He has no clue that Teddy is dead here, right? Like he he's like, "Where's your brother?" Um, and it's just fascinating to me that he he also says. Um, Everybody in every tune knows that if you have a problem you go see Valiant and Valiant and it's like so they have some level of notoriety within the tune community um but he somehow Roger has missed the fact that Eddie or that Teddy was killed by
1: a tune. Yeah, you think that would be kind of headline news. Right? <laughs> I wonder what the, what the tune uh tune versus human crime like is it is there is it more tune on tune crime? Is it more like is there <laughs> what is the like is is a tune killing a person an unusual thing or is this just kinda like, oh, you know, just another homicide in LA? It seems like, you know,
2: I don't know what the actual statistics are, but I'm a hundred percent sure that the media blows it out of proportion. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, you can't can't really can't really trust the statistics that they're putting out on this, but yeah. But I mean, the, any tune on tune crime is going to be okay because, you know, as, we, as we've discovered, that like dip is the only thing that can kill them. So um, there's actually a lot of uh, crime there because we see like Yosemite Sam, Elmer Fudd just shooting people in the face all the time.
1: It's true. So, do all of the movies now? See, now, as opposed to focusing on this minute, I'm going to start delving into like the the logistics of the Roger Rabbit world. That's like, what we do here. Oh, it's, yeah. It's oh, fine okay. Now. You would not be the first one to do this. <laughs> so, do all of, are all the f- movies filmed in Toontown?
2: Well, uh, there a lot of them are filmed on the lot because we we have right. footage from from the lot, and There's I assume that's just the regular yeah. lot,
1: not. Mm-hmm. Not the Toontown, you know, outpost. Oh, so Toontown is basically where they just all live, and then they commute to work in Hollywood at the studios. I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think okay. so. They have to all take the the trolley over to uh, the studio and and clock into work.
1: So when Elmer Fudd is shooting his gun and not <laughs> killing Bugs Bunny, does he provide that gun? Is it a prop the movie studio gives him? Is there a Toon prop person who is specifically? It it might be given some other clues that
2: we have about Toontown and and things. It, it might be an a paid actor. It might be like an extra, you know. The gun. Yeah, the gun. because yeah, because <laughs> objects have you know sentience frequently yeah. but inconsistently.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very gray area. What when does something, you know, alive? Mm.
2: Yeah, is the gun getting paid for this too? It's- yeah, it's. What do you pay a gun? Is are the bullets? We know there are some bullets that are alive. We see them yeah. at some point. Are is he swallowing the bullets and spitting them out, or like wow. does he have to have another actor kind of inside him? <laughs> yeah, and
0: is there a sag for toots I'm I'm gonna so, guess not.
2: Like like tag? To an actors go? I
0: don't know. Probably not. Probably it not. doesn't
2: seem like like they have union repu- representation given that Dumbo's paid in peanuts and <laughs> yeah. um, some of the other treatment that they've received.
1: Uh, well, yeah. this is a whole other can of worms that you opened up now, Alex, that uh and all of those worms are also living creatures <laughs> that we have to have to be paid. So this gets this gets nuts.
0: Yeah, thankfully, none of the poop, the tunes, oh my, uh, associated with this podcast are paid anything, so uh, <laughs> it's we podcast. do not have to worry. Yeah, that, that classic podcasting. When Roger touches this chair, he just gets these weird black fingerprints all over it, and I cannot figure out why he is causing that.
2: You can't. What it's, is this? It's um okay. So we see previously, and like it's such a it's such a wonderful like world building moment that speaks to the story is that eddie has left teddy's desk completely undisturbed it's covered in dust so that handprint is um is him moving the dust away which it's also just like one of those like amazing like animation versus live action moments that's just like god these people really knew what they were doing when they made this
0: oh i see okay i thought he was leaving something on the chair i did not put it together that he was taking layers of dust off of that
1: chair. Do they, I didn't notice, I did notice the dust, but did they put dust on his fingers after like when he moves his hand, are his fingers dusty? I don't have the video. I don't have a clip on handy. So I'm
2: rewatching it. I've got it on my, I always have it on my iPad pulled up because usually we're looking for, he doesn't flip his hand around to show you. So we can't tell. Oh no, he does a little bit later and no, we don't see that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if a tune can get real worlds uh, I mean, not, to, not to, to say, yeah,
1: yeah, not to say that the tune dust is not
0: real world dust, but I should but say human world dust on his hand.
1: Yeah, I guess so. He just disturbs it, but it doesn't stick to him, unless it's funny. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's,
2: that's how physics in tune toon, toon world works. It just, to be if the it's ruling, funny, it happens.
1: Although this, the fact that there's so much dust makes, Eddie makes, um, Rogers not knowing about it, uh, Teddy Valiant also more strange because this would have happened ages ago theoretically, you know if uh, yeah or there's just a it's lot a of lot
2: dust. Of, it's a lot of dust yeah
1: one thing I love is also if you notice on Teddy's desk because he's a private detective he has a magnifying glass um a uh, and a pipe yeah so he- I think his brother might have been Sherlock Holmes like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they're on his desk. Like of course did Eddie put those there or did he did is this exactly how Teddy left his desk? Because if you leave your magnifying glass and your pipe behind, you can't be much of a detective.
0: That's true. Maybe this is why Teddy got killed, because he did not have his magnifying glass or his pipe with him to do his his (laughs) detective work.
2: I could see I could see them having those as like a bit. Because we get some clues that they used to be pretty silly and goofy and very oh, like tune, toon like so uh, Got
1: it. Okay. The, yeah, that makes sense.
2: The grizzled Eddie that we see now is a result of circumstance and uh, not his natural state.
1: Got it. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: We have
0: Roger just constantly busting Eddie's balls over his drinking. He's, this is the second reference he's made to, to Eddie's uh, alcoholism in the time that he's been there. Uh, so, I don't know, this is, uh, for, for a guy that doesn't know Eddie that well, it seems <laughs> like he's getting a little personal here.
1: I love the animation when he uh, says the line about uh, "you're you look like a he looks like a sensitive and sober fellow," and he gets momentarily kind of you know uh, snippy there, and some really good, uh, you know, kind of quick character animation there. Really good, yeah. One. Really good, judgy face.
2: Yeah, it is really good. This is the first moment where I'm like, you know what, Rogers kind of funny because the the rest of it so far he's he's just kind of grating and annoying. Like maybe a really small child would think he was funny. But um, other than that, it's like he's kind of screechy and weird and just all physical comedy. And this is like the first time where you're like, oh, I could maybe see Jessica hanging out with this guy. Yeah.
0: As as someone who's uh, spent a large portion of his life analyzing Jar Jar Binks, uh, I know there's, there's a, a comparison of Roger to, to Jar Jar often. Would you put him in the same ballpark of annoyingness?
1: I guess, uh, yeah, I could totally see that. Um, but I think one thing that is different is that in the universe, Eddie also finds Jar Jar annoying, whereas in Star Wars, no one else, everyone else just seems to be like, cool, we have this crazy frogman around us who's like, making a lot, like, no one seems like, oh, what is this guy's deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, 3PO, everyone hates him in Empire Strikes Back, and Jar Jar is way more annoying in, than uh, than 3PO was. So, yeah, it's, since Eddie gets to, rep, Eddie gets to express our disgust at Roger Rabbit, whereas in Jar in Jar's case, he is utterly unhated in the film, and that's, that's a, you know, Pothole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
0: a, that's an important distinction. You're right. Like, the, I guess you need a straight man in with a character that's annoying as that to yeah. to speak for the audience a, a little bit, or else it's just like, why is nobody calling this person out on how uh, abysmal abysmally annoying they are?
1: Yeah. Uh, I also like uh, Eddie's old uh, candlestick style telephone. Yeah, I looked it up and. You know, regular old fashioned telephone, <laughs> not like medium fashion. I don't know, not like landline phones of the kind where you, I'm trying to think of the way to describe it, you know, where you dial the phone and it's.
2: With like, like the handset and yeah, the rotary
1: yeah. wheel. Yeah. It's hard to describe. I'm trying to think like if I'm like a 16 year old listening to this, I'm like, what kind oh, of phone? They, am they I don't know. They don't know what that is. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, anyway, but I like the fact that he has a really old fashioned telephone. And uh, I always love the idea of having one of those, but it does seem like it'd be annoying because you have to, both of your hands are occupied all the time. You can't, you know, so forget it. Yeah, it's a little bit extra
0: added effort into a, to a phone call, which but I would appreciate. Aside, this
1: is good characterization because it just means Eddie is just so, does not care about what's going on that he can't be bothered to get a more modern phone. Mm. Hmm, I wonder. Yeah, I'm very, you
2: could tell me that like, you could tell me, they didn't have phones in 1947. You could tell me the phones were uh, cordless. You could tell me, like, you could tell me any phone with yeah. any option, and I would be like, "Oh, okay, weird," because I yeah. just have no no context on that stuff at all.
0: Yeah, if Eddie had a Nokia phone, I'd be like, "Yeah, that that seems about right for the timeline. It's the right size."
1: That's gonna start happening as time goes on, more and more, like uh do you ever see the movie the sting oh yeah the, yeah the classic heist movie the sting and it has a lot of that ragtime music in it you know the piano kind of music and ragtime music was popular like in 1900 and this movie is set like in 1930 but no one cares now because it's just old-fashioned music and that's so eventually you're going to see like characters in world war ii's talking on cell phones and it's going to just get all blurred together like a, a thing so yeah, yeah. It, I
0: mean, I had never picked that up before. I just thought, oh yeah, this is time appropriate. This is this yeah. is when that song came
1: out. Yeah, because no one like you know, there's a certain time where it's just like old old fashioned stuff, you know. Yeah, falls into that category.
2: I I just noticed in this minute, and I hadn't. We've been we're on minute forty, and I hadn't noticed this before that Roger is because um, I always think of Roger as very like brightly, um, sort of classically colored like bright cartoony looking but he's actually a little bit sepia toned like his his lines are sepia not not black um and maybe it's just this scene because there's so much brown around it and they're in eddie's dark office like it's really um noticeable here where Mm. it it, i didn't notice it before Um, and i'm just wondering like I mean, that had to be a conscious choice. It's not like anyone just like, oh, but shit, I ran out of black. Um, you know?
1: <laughs> so yeah, turn I'm the just, contrast up on I'm there. I'm curious uh, why.
2: There. And his, in his um, fur is a little bit, like, peachy, which would happen if you took, like, a whiter and off-white and and made it a little, little bit sepia. Um, it was just a weird thing that I noticed that I hadn't, hadn't recognized previously.
1: Had, He's old-timey, too. Had you... <laughs> Had so did you never notice the lines before or you just never noticed like because I feel like sepia would be easier it would make it look more easy like that it's a real thing does that make sense
2: oh yeah yeah it's more like naturally like we like nothing in real life walks around with like hard black lines around it you know right
1: yeah yeah um no it's it's, it's the first time I noticed Hmm. Well, to keep an eye out for it. The rest of the like, movie. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I'll try and I'll try and pay attention yeah. to
2: the movie we're watching, one minute by minute, <laughs> going forward.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna guess yeah. like what they did with uh, with in the case of Roger is they probably just had something Roger colored and took a picture of it in that room to see how it would look, you know, with the lighting and everything like that, and then just match whatever the you know probably even maybe had a Roger doll or something, mm-hmm. and just move it from room room to see how to light it properly. I'm yeah. surprised
2: we haven't seen one of those yet. I wonder, I bet, I bet Gary would know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, Gary, Gary. About Roger oh. Rabbit Dolls? Uh,
2: Yeah, Gary, the uh, the author of the, the book. Oh, right, right. But he yeah. was on set a bit, and so he has some of those little, we've asked him oh. a lot of weird questions. What did they use for dip?
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. Yeah, he did.
2: We did not know, and we
0: also asked where a tune comes from, and he said we're gonna have to find out in his next book.
1: Mm. Where,
2: yeah, do you have any working theories on where a tune comes from?
1: You mean like where do babies come from? Kind of? yes. Yeah, yeah, like like exactly a, like that, exactly in a birds and bees sort of way. <laughs> huh? You don't know? It's a good question. I mean, we know there's nieces and nephews and stuff like that, so there must be some kind of reproductive scheme out there.
0: Yeah, we know it's not coming from Patty
1: Cake. <laughs> Maybe it's the kind of thing humans aren't meant to know. Like it's a, it's a, you know, like, we, like we just don't know. We're just not. We, we shouldn't ask.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably the right approach. But Gary's going to tell yeah. us. So <laughs> yeah, that's what
1: his, his fourth, fifth, and sixth book in the series are all just devoted to, to uh, reproduction. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very different. <laughs> hey <laughs> gotta put uh what's good though is that the uh the storyline ages with the audience sort of so that like you know it's like the harry potter time books. of the last <laughs> yeah exactly he's the, the harry potter of the um i like the gag about the uh where roger makes a big deal of leaving and then he storms off and he goes into the closet and then eddie goes that's the closet It's a good uh it's a good old-fashioned kind of you know gag there yeah like,
0: I'm on on board with the idea that both both Eddie's bluffing when he's picking up the phone and saying that he's going to call the police he's never going to call the police and I also think Roger knows that he's not leaving and he's just trying to lay the guilt trip onto Eddie
1: Hmm I wonder Well I we have to
2: believe that Eddie has like like he knows how to deal with a tune. You know, because we know the rules are a little bit different and, you know, they're weird. And Eddie is, like, famous for being the detective who works on tomb cases. Like, he's got to know how to, like, manipulate Roger. Mm -hmm. A little bit, right? I
0: I, I mean, that would work on me, too. If I was also (laughs) wanted for murder and someone said they're going to call the police,
2: I would leave as well.
1: Or you'd hide in the closet? <laughs> yeah, I would
2: hide in the closet. It does kind of feel like a gag you would do. It does feel like a crisp bit.
0: Yeah, I would. I would totally do that bit. I mean, only if it's funny. So yeah.
1: Well, that's what's the, that that bit about? Uh, I know we we're not gonna get to see it this week, but um, uh, well, maybe yeah, you know I'll save it till they get handcuffed. Well, no, I'll do it now while it's on my mind. <laughs> I wonder how much of a tune behavior is like is at this when when they get handcuffed, is Roger aware that he can leave at any time or does it not even occur? It can't even occur to him until it would be a funny time for it to happen.
0: I think he's aware that he can only leave if it's funny, but he also knows that saying that will ruin the bit. So he
1: he can't, he can't spill that. But you think he's consciously being like, okay, is this a good time to do it? Is this a good time to do it? Like, would this be a funny time to do it? And then he's allowed or is, you know, or is he just following his gut
0: Uh, yeah yeah i could see that i could see him not even thinking of being able to do that until it's there it's yeah uh,
2: i I think there's some kind of like separation in the brain like like in severance if you've watched this show like where they he can't think of something unless it's funny
1: this is funny yeah, yeah. I really like to analyze a tune's brain and just see
0: how it works. So, like, aspects. did he
1: purposely storm into the closet, or because that was the funniest thing, he had to do that? You know what I mean? Like, and it would, did he have to do it because he consciously knew this was the funniest thing, or is he just kind of like, is he really intending to leave, but his tune nature is sending him into the closet because that's the funniest thing?
2: Hmm. I, I don't think he knows I don't think he's aware think that like he I don't think he's making funny choices Or like aware that it's the funniest thing I think that's just like the Pattern his brain follows
0: Unconscious yeah. thing
2: Yeah Interesting. Oh.
0: oh so do you think then Does Roger find this funny Or is there a certain part of him That just saddened that he has This response mechanism <laughs>
1: he's the sad clown like he knows no matter what happens everyone will laugh at him and that's his uh, you know what if he was
2: just like i really hate comedy
1: i think well, his nature i think tortured. there there probably are tunes like that like an eeyore or those kind of mm. characters but roger generally seems like here he's he's accused of murder and he's still making jokes and gags and so i think in his nature he's just a, a like he just can't help himself and probably doesn't like Consider it a bad thing necessarily. You know what I mean? This
2: is why I can never be uh, arrested for murder because I too would just make some stupid joke <laughs> because I can't, I can't stop
1: myself. And uh, I say that now you're well. the perfect person to frame for
0: murder. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and now it's going on to a podcast of a bunch of people <laughs> probably looking. I'm going to guess our audience is 50 50 fans of the movie and people trying to look for a way to frame people for murder.
1: (laughs) It's kind of the theme of the movie. I mean, it's a good uh... It's a good instruction manual. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it isn't because they catch the guy so it's really not very good.
0: Yeah, I I do feel like the title of the movie takes away a little bit of the suspense of the film because we could be wondering did Roger do this? But the fact that it's called Who Framed Roger Rabbit just Takes all of that
1: out. Well, assuming you have, want to have Roger Rabbit in the title, what would you go with? That? Who did Roger Rabbit murder? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I just think that if you know, if you don't know Roger is framed, then he has to be in the movie a lot more, and he's annoying. Yeah, like I I want to watch Bob Hoskins for two hours. I don't want to watch Roger for two hours he's a he's there for tension and release and, you know every once in a while he's peppered in where he needs to be and if you make it where you don't know then you've got to follow him around quite a bit so he can like drop
1: it's almost like and, a mcguffin yeah yeah
0: uh, yeah um well annie we're about to follow roger for a lot more minutes so <laughs> get ready <laughs>
1: Uh, last thing about the title. Why well, do I, You're right. It does kind of spoil it in the sense that you know going in that someone's going to frame him, but it also does mean like frame. You know what I mean? Like a frame, oh, like a drawing is. Yeah. Framed. So I, it's kind of like the double, the sort of double meaning of it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty uh, clever little little title, especially without the question mark there too
2: scholars for centuries will be studying the philosophy of this film who knows how are how are tunes made do they have because you do they consciously know they have to do the funniest thing are they trapped in a comedy
1: prison we don't know I mean, forget avatar i don't want to see five more avatar movies i want to see five more roger rabbit movies explain this right? <laughs> I, there's a whole universe to explore here. Yeah, yeah I want I, it to be like Planet of the Apes, where eventually the Toons overthrow their human uh, oppressors and then sort of uh, slaughter everybody. Oh my god! And who, this... who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I have a
2: question. In in this world, right, like uh, where where all Toons exist, it's not you know um, a, a specific company or anything like that. Do yeah. CGI characters count? I I don't think so. I don't. Or think. is that a different species altogether? I think tunes are
0: watching movies with CG in it and saying that looks so fake.
1: But you're saying that the but this so like there's no text uh, Woody and and right and, like all what, Pixar like there's no, there's like no Woody actor who's out there like okay I gotta go all right, i right gotta go to work uh-huh. so like you
2: know. yeah so are like Woody or Woody and Buzz Lightyear like are they stuck with Jar Jar?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's probably a separate Toontown just for the, the
1: 3D animation characters. Yeah. But then you get into another blurry area. because yeah. then what is like Gollum in there? Is like is right? every 3D creature in there? That's a weird,
0: you know. Yeah, and what about the character like Carrie Fisher when she's Carrie uh, Fisher was game. a real person. But well, in the in the <laughs> latest well, movies, it's
1: right? It's in, in that one. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, does, one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Does Andy Circus have to like go to CGI Toontown and, you know, I don't know, have visitation? Like how does any of this work? There's a lot of questions.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, do animators exist in the in the Roger Rabbit universe?
0: Well, the leading theory on where a tune comes from now is that when an animator and a voice actor love each other very much, they come together and a tune comes out of that.
1: Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah,
2: that's Chris and I's working theory. That's the only one we <laughs> <laughs> think
1: is accurate. I like that because that means like Mel Blanc is like the Wilt Chamberlain of, uh, <laughs> uh, of the uh, tune <laughs> like, show. Got a lot of love family out there. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Fred
2: Welker. Uh,
1: All right.
0: Anything else about this minute? Uh
2: no, you know, my my MVP for the minute is um it's the dust. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) um, outside of (laughs) (laughs) which I know it might be a controversial take. uh, (laughs) it's not Steinbeck, but um it's because like it it serves like so many different purposes in this scene, right? It reinforces how like just destroyed Eddie is over the bro- the death of his um, brother. How how much it's impacted his life. It's also like a really great you know cartoon versus live action integration moment. It's a clever detail that I think I think even now they wouldn't do you know because they would do this all of CGI and there just wouldn't be the same level of practical effects and um, it's just it's just a fantastic little detail that i i is doing a lot of work in this scene
0: i'm I'm on board with that so that is it for today we are a dueling genre podcast you can find all of their podcasts on duelinggenre.com including many more movies by minutes ones and you can click on the link to support alex where can people find you at
1: Well, uh, my website is alexrobinson.fun. From there you can uh, get uh, you can find Godfather Minute, Star Wars Minute, the two podcasts that I do, and uh, the the graphic novels I've done over the years. alexrobinson.fun
0: And if you want to join our Facebook group, we are at Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit listeners. Thanks for listening, and we will see you on Wednesday for Minute 41 of who analyzed Roger Rabbit.